Welcome to the G3 Podcast. I'm Virgil Walker, and today I'm joined by Scott Annual and Josh Bice. And, uh, man, we're, we're excited for this particular podcast. We've got a lot of great things that we want to share with you uh, over the course of this this season. And, and again, uh, as, as we tee things up uh, for this season, we've got a lot of, uh, you know, things that we want to share with you, topics we want to share with you. And we want to we want to encourage you. We I know, Josh, you had initially, when we started, reached out to uh, our audience to say, hey, what would you want us to talk about? What would you like to hear from us? Uh, man, we we're still open to that. Uh, not that we'll take your uh, suggestion uh, at face value, but definitely want to send that in. We would love to take a look and see if it fits within our schedule and uh, and begin talking about that subject. In fact, matter. we get we get emails all the time with questions, and and we may do some like like open ended question episodes yeah. and just address common <laughs> questions that come in through the email. So feel free to email us, reach out on social media yeah. topics yeah. that you're interested in. We'll we'll cover yeah. those things. We definitely read them. Yeah, Absolutely. we may we may have to do like a Q and A, just like a a Q and A Q&A session. But listen, this today uh, we're excited to talk to you about the subject of evangelism. Uh, it's something that's near and dear to, to each of us, uh, to all of us, in, in our hearts as, as far as uh, uh, sharing the gospel, being pro- proclaiming the truth of the message of the Word of God. And we want to we want to talk about that today in depth. I know Josh, uh, this has been especially on your heart in a number of different ways. Why don't you tee us up and get us rolling for today's conversation? Yeah, as we think about evangelism. Evangelism. evangelism is not something that's optional for the Christian. It is something that is mandatory. We've been given a commission by Christ, obviously. He has said that we are to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing those followers of Christ in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so really, as we think about evangelism, we need to be thinking in terms of, okay, this is what Christ has called us to do, so it's really not something that we can excuse ourselves from. Right. But yet, how do we do that? Mm-hmm. What methods do we use? All of that is certainly up for you know consideration. We yeah. need to be thinking in terms of how we should evangelize. When you look at statistics, around 1 in 10 churchgoers, mm-hmm. on average, shares the gospel in a given month. Mm-hmm. And then an, another troubling stat to consider would be that those who are 65 and older share the gospel the least. Wow. And so we need to be thinking about what that means. I mean, there's an awful lot of, you know, aged individuals roaming around in our cities that that have been, you know, blinded to the truth, and yet they need to be evangelized as well. Yeah. So how do we do this? Where do we do this? When do we do this? All of those questions need to be answered. I, I want to go back, uh, just take a step back and think through this in, in this way. Why is it, the statistic that you mentioned, uh, like ten, less than ten percent actually engage in evangelism over the course of a given month. I'd read a stat, Josh, that had I think it was a, a Barna study, uh, and the Barna study said that over the course of a of a one year period, it kind of had the same kind of statistic, like eight to nine percent of believers actually share their faith with one other person mm. during the course of that twelve month period. Mm. So we're not even talking about monthly; we're talking about over the course of a of a of a month. What is it about evangelism? And and either of you guys can can jump in. I'm just curious to hear your thoughts. What is it about evangelism that scares us as believers to in, engage in? What, what, what's the issue? I think ultimately there, there's a couple of things. Of, I think one thing would be the, the fear of disappointment, mm-hmm. the fear of rejection. Mm-hmm. So when you start thinking about um, you know, someone sharing the gospel, if you're sharing the gospel with someone on the street corner, that's mm-hmm. one thing. Mm-hmm. You probably expect to be rejected. Yes. But when you're talking to family members, yes. those close to you, the, yes. the inner circle of your life, mm-hmm. 
when those people say no, those people reject you, that's that's hard. Yeah. And I think that it causes people to to sort of shrink back from engagement. Yeah. I, I want Scott, I want to tee this up with you cuz cuz again, I know that each of us here at the table understand and know what the gospel is and 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 how to proclaim it and perhaps how to maybe walk someone th- through that. But when we say gospel, uh, there's all kinds of gospels out there. Right. There's all kinds of messages that are out there. <laughs> what is it we're trying to articulate? What yeah. is it we're wanting to convey uh, to whether it be a loved one or like like Josh said on the street corner? What yeah. is it we're trying to share? No, that's an important question because I think that also answers you know partially answers your your initial question too. I think sometimes we're fearful to give the gospel because there's so many versions of what that looks like, so many false gospels. And so rightly so, I think some people fear that, am I communicating the actual truth? So this is an important question. Uh, You know, at its core, what we're talking about is obviously the the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. for the forgiveness of sins. Mm -hmm. But even there, you have to step back even, even deeper and talk about, the nature of who God is as sovereign creator over all things, mm-hmm. the fact that he is the the source and sustainer of all things, he is the source of morality, of the difference between right and wrong, and because of virtue of the fact that he is the source of all that is right and wrong and he is our creator, we are therefore responsible to obey him. So there are certain truths about God that have to be established, not everything about God and who he is and all the ins and outs of, of theology, but you at least have to establish that. Right. And then the fact that we have broken God's law right. and that that is indeed true of all people. There is none righteous, no, not one. We are all under the wrath and condemnation of a just and holy God. And therefore, we need forgiveness <laughs> of our sins. Then we move to the, the person and work of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is holy God who took on human flesh, so he is fully God and fully man. That enables him to stand in our place and pay an eternal punishment to an eternal holy God. Yeah. And then, so the core then is the death, you know, the, the perfect life of Christ and obedience to God's law, the death of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. not for any sins of his own, but for the sins of his people, and then his victorious resurrection. And then what's our response? Our response must be repentant faith, yes. turning away from ourself and our sin and turning to Jesus Christ. So a, a, an easy way, and again, we're talking about what might help people evangelize, mm-hmm. is to just think through that an easy way to sort of categorize these steps of the gospel is God, man, Christ response. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be complicated, doesn't have to be, again, a full systematic theology, but we at least have to articulate those key truths that if we are a Christian, we believe. Right. And so we ought to be able to share those things with others. I, I, I think that's I think that's important an, an important distinction to make because one of the problems that that I think I see uh, in in common church culture, uh, broad sweep evangelicalism, is that the message of the gospel is come to church with me. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the idea is the, the thing that I'm going to do more than proclaim the, the life, death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the mm-hmm. forgiveness of sins is I'm going to invite you to some church program yeah. uh, and then really allow the pastor of the church, whoever's preaching that particular Sunday, uh, to be the person who's really declaring the gospel. Uh, and so that becomes the nature in which the surroundings under under which we, we really evangelize, when the reality is we should be evangelizing, understanding, knowing the gospel and proclaiming it everywhere. Mm-hmm. So talk to us, Joshua, about what that looks like. Where do we go? What is it? Is it always street street preaching evangelism? Is it just left to the pastor in the pulpit? 
What does it look like for us to be be in different contexts sharing the message of the gospel? Yeah, so, you know, evangelism should be something that we're engaging in almost organically. Mm-hmm. You know, we should be sharing the gospel, you know, wherever we go. Mm-hmm. We might be at, you know, a local park, and, you know, we may see an open opportunity for a conversation that could happen there. We might be at, <clears throat> for instance, we might be at, um, you know, our place of employment. We might be having lunch with a friend. And then the door is open for us to share the gospel there. I think that programs can be helpful, but I don't think that evangelism should just be minimized down to a program that we do. Um, I think intentionality can be a good thing for a church to say, we're going to meet on a certain day. We're going to go out into the parks. We're going to go out into the communities, and we're going to share the gospel. But I do think that it shouldn't just be event evangelism or program evangelism. I think we should just be organically sharing the gospel in our homes with our children, grandchildren, family members, with our you know coworkers, um, you know, in whatever sphere that we might be operating in. Mm-hmm. We need to be looking for those opportunities to engage. And I think that one of the the most helpful ways to do that would be to just pray and ask for God to open up those opportunities and then be looking for those open door opportunities throughout that day. So intentionality, I think, is very important. But to your point, evangelism should never just be invite people to church. I think that that's a fundamental problem in a re- really in many ways it's a it's indicative of you know the fact that people have misunderstood what church is about. Right. We gather for worship and then we scatter for evangelism. That doesn't mean that we can't do evangelism right. in the context of the local church, right. but the the church campus is probably one of the, the the places that we would do the least amount of evangelism, if that makes sense. Yeah. We're going to be evangelizing in just a normative way through discipleship classes and things of that nature. I think every preacher, a pastor should be evangelizing as he's preaching the word. Uh, again, text-driven, committed to the text, but recognizing that there are children perhaps that are unconverted in that setting. There are people that might be guests that are there on the average Lord's Day. But the main objective of the local church gathering on a Lord's Day is not evangelism. Right. Yeah. Right. I think this is a really important point. You know, and I think you know, in the past, especially in America, where going to church in many respects was sort of a cultural thing to do, mm-hmm. uh, that that led to that sort of thing where evangelism is just inviting people to church. And I agree yeah. completely. We should still do that absolutely. And and the gospel is present in a in a worship service if it's gospel shaped, and that can and should be evangelistic. Uh, but at the same time, we've gotten into this sort of uh, cultural thing where that becomes all we think about when, it, when it, in terms of evangelism. And we're actually we're moving past that in this country. Mm-hmm. Depends on region, probably. Right. But people are probably just a typical atheistic, unsaved neighbor is going to be far less likely to come to a church service. So we have to engage in relationships, establish relationships with our neighbors, with coworkers people in our in our community for that purpose. Yeah. And the problem is because many of our churches are still so program-oriented, mm-hmm. a lot of believers just don't have a whole lot of unbelieving friends because they're doing everything in programs with the church. <laughs> right. Again, church community, fellowship, all of that is important and necessary. Yeah. But we need to be intentional about 
meeting our neighbors, establishing relationships with unbelievers for that purpose yeah. of proclaiming the gospel. Yeah, I would just say that if you're, again, if you have teenagers and you're involved in athletics, mm-hmm. like baseball mm-hmm. practices would be a good thing. If, if, you, if you have a, a child that's participating in track and field, you're going to have many, many hours mm-hmm. as you're sitting there on those bleachers mm-hmm. for six or seven hours on a Saturday or, you know, some, you know, evening track meet, you're going to have many opportunities to engage people. So just look for those opportunities yeah. and be intentional about yeah. it. I, you guys have said the word intentional a number of different times. And <clears throat> I completely agree when I think about uh, m- my own context, especially when I was in uh, Omaha, Nebraska, and even here to, to, to a certain degree, uh, I'm surrounded by, you know, either people that I work with at church uh, or involved in ministry at some level. So for me, I had to be intentional about how do I put myself in places and spaces where I have an opportunity to evangelize. And so uh, for me, it was, you know, for me on on Fridays, usually I I would do once a week, I would, I'd be on the street corner, just trying to, trying to engage in evangelism there. Uh, There were summers where, and and for me, it ebbs and flows. I'm probably like a lot of people. There are times when, when the idea around evangelism is on my mind and I'm actively engaged in that process. And then there are other times when that's not so, that's not so present. And I've got to be reminded whether it's doing a podcast like this or, or, or on the Lord's Day, hearing a message of the gospel and then, and then recharging myself, re-energizing about, about, uh, about being evangelistic. <clears throat> but I would pray there was a summer I spent just praying every week, Lord, send me someone this week uh, to whom it would be a natural course of our conversation uh, to open up and, and have a discussion about 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 Christ about about what he's done and and I, and I promise you there was never a week that went by where that prayer was not answered and so I think the other thing Scott you mentioned about about neighbors and such and thinking about you know being intentional about neighbors who are near and inviting them into your home and having conversations uh, about about Christ about what you uh, about what you believe I think those kinds of things are are important yeah. yeah I think that this is an important point to emphasize too for those for those who are listening who are not pastors who are not involved in church full-time church ministry uh, you actually probably have a lot more unbelieving friends yeah. than pastors do who are in the church building you know we we in some ways have to be even more intentional and we ought mm-hmm. to be uh, but that just shows you the danger of people in in churches falling into the trap of evangelism is just inviting people to church so the pastor can evangelize them. Right. Again, you can do that, but you have coworkers. You have, I mean, pastors have neighbors too, but you've got coworkers and neighbors. You're out in the community probably more than a pastor is, unless the pastor is really being intentional about it. And so again, you have to take advantage of those relationships and and opportunities to share the gospel. Is there is there a theology around evangelism, Josh? Sovereignty is, of God is very much very much a part, a part that's of exactly the right. evangelism. That's exactly yes. right. That's exactly right. Yeah, in fact, as we think about that, uh, it, you can really in many ways think about the sovereignty of God in evangelism in a, in a couple of ways. Mm. First of all, yes, it is quite clear. The scriptures teach this. Romans 3, there is not one person who's seeking after God. We should not look at culture as people just roaming around looking for God, right? because that's certainly not what is is true about culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and so no one seeks after God. No one is good, not even one, the mm-hmm. scripture teaches. No one can come to Christ except the Father who sent Christ should draw them. Mm-hmm. But God does use means to bring about the salvation of his elect. Mm -hmm. And so he commissions us 
to go out and to preach the gospel and to share the gospel. But, you know, I'm reminded of a famous quote by Spurgeon who said, if God would have painted a yellow stripe on the backs of the elect, I would go around lifting up shirts. But since he didn't, Mm -hmm. I must preach whosoever will. Mm -hmm. And when whatsoever believes, I know that he is one of the elect. That's good. That's good. And so we should never be thinking about the sovereignty of God and the doctrine of God's sovereignty as being something that hinders missions or evangelism. We should think in the opposite. It should cause us to go out and preach the gospel indiscriminately. Far and wide. Yeah, far and wide to everyone. And then rest well at night, Mm -hmm. recognizing that it's not up to us or our persuasion Mm -hmm. or enticing words of man's wisdom or clever cliches that would cause people to to respond. Mm. Someone sows seed, another waters the seed, but ultimately it's God who brings about the growth. Absolutely, we man. That, just trust the Lord. Absolutely, there's great peace in that. I know as as, as right. whenever I've gone out to do evangelism, the great peace that I have is that I'm I'm, I'm not saving anyone. It's not my role or responsibility to be required to 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 be required to figure out the outcome. It's just my job to be obedient to what Christ commands uh, and and rest and rest upon Him for the outcome. Yeah, and that's the real irony about it. You have those who do, who say belief in the sovereignty of God stifles evangelism, mm-hmm. when actually it is it it ought to be and it should be and it is the reverse because, like you said, we don't have to have the pressure. The and in some cases, you know, dehabilitating pressure mm-hmm. that if I don't get this person saved, then I've failed, mm-hmm. and that might be one of the reasons people don't evangelize. Rather, our responsibility is to faithfully proclaim the gospel. That's right. And yes, we want them to come to faith. We ought to urge them. Uh, we ought to pray for that. But at the end of the day, God is sovereign, and God has chosen a people for his name's sake. And the fact that we get to be a part of that is exciting and ought to motivate us and fuel us to the faithful proclamation of the gospel, regardless of the outcome, because we know that that's in God's hands. One of the things that I'm noticing is I'm, I'm noticing a, a diminishing, if you will, of gospel proclamation. Mm. I'm watching people who are who are caping up uh, for all kinds of causes. For hey, we want to we want to transform this governmental system. We want to do we want to see you know this movement take place so that people aren't uh, doing this bad thing. And, and really, what they're what they're propagating is more moralism than anything. Uh, we're definitely not leaning on to gospel proclamation as a primary means by which heart transformation takes place, and then people see cultural transformation, the cultural transformation that they that they desire. The other thought is. That that the gospel is 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 this minimal thing that that's done. It's 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 the it's the thing that okay we got that. Let's move on to bigger things. Uh, when in actuality, all of us need the gospel. I kind of want to ask Josh you the, the question as a as a as a pastor, uh, lead pastor here. Wh- how do you cultivate uh, a, a climate, a, a culture of evangelism within the local church? What does that look like? Yeah, I think that just a simple answer to that would be that you just model it. You try to engage and support evangelism and evangelistic efforts in the life of the church. We have some opportunities here in terms of a program. It's a sports ministry that meets Mm -hmm. on our campus. So we have built-in opportunities, uh, seasonal opportunities, to stand and to share the gospel and to do that publicly on our campus to people who are unbelievers and families that, you know, obviously are outside of the gospel culture of a local church mm-hmm. in the community. But 
Um, you know, I, I just I just think back to what Paul said to Timothy when he said in Second Timothy chapter number four, he said that Timothy was to preach the word and he was to obviously to reprove and rebuke and exhort people. So this is that idea of being committed to sound teaching, mm-hmm. faithful proclamation of the gospel, faithful shepherding. Mm-hmm. But then he comes down and he says that you should do the work of an evangelist. Mm-hmm. And I think that that should be something that pastors should be mindful of, is that we absolutely should give ourselves to you know the faithful study of the scriptures, to be prepared to stand and preach the word. But we also must be engaged in evangelism. And if we're leading the church in that way and supporting the efforts there, I think that they will ultimately follow. But I think you should teach on it. Right. I think you should actually teach the scriptures about evangelism and and show people that this is exactly what the text is saying, more than just the Great Commission text. I right. mean, most Christians that have been a part of a church for any length of right. time can no, quote Ma- yeah, the Great Commission. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so so let's go beyond that, and let's actually show you know maybe in a teaching series or a preaching series you could you could you know exhort the church. Mm. To be faithful in evangelism. Yeah, I, I, I love that. I think nothing is, is a greater encouragement to evangelism than, than if, if God sees fit to allow you to see the fruit of your gospel proclamation in the life of, of an individual. Um, young man that I had the opportunity to to engage, I'll never forget, uh, met him at a coffee shop. A, a buddy of his kind of brought him to me, so to speak, to thinking that I could persuade him in some way. And I, I basically told the kid, I, I, there's nothing I can tell you that's going to ch- transform your heart. Mm-hmm. That's a work of God. But here's what I can tell you. Uh, he was, he, at the time he was, he was a, a committed agnostic and, uh, you know, he wanted to get into scientific proofs about, about, um, you know, God's existence. And, uh, I told him I, I didn't have the time nor the energy to, to prove anything to him, <laughs> uh, that the God that I serve was, was well able to transform his heart if he so saw fit. Um, and then proclaim to him the message of the gospel, uh, only to have him leave that conversation uh, pretty upset at me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and uh, I knew that he was. He, he was kind of frustrated. Uh, he left, went away. And then over the course of a couple of days, I, I left him with, with my, my contact info. Over the course of a couple of days, uh, he, he, he called me. Uh, and he said, man, the Lord had been dealing with him. And I said, the Lord, so is, this is the Lord that you know and dealing with you about this issue. And sure, sure enough, the, uh, he, he said, I, I, I truly believe, you know, I, I hear what you said. I get the message. I think God is, has, has, has opened my eyes to seeing his message. He would eventually repent uh, and place his full faith in Christ. And, and, and again, then seeing the opportunity, having the opportunity uh, to disciple this young man and see his life truly transform uh, was the greatest encouragement to me and even to others who got a chance to witness it uh, of seeing someone come to faith. And in fact, uh, Josh, in 2021, that young man actually came uh, to the, the national conference. Awesome. I got a chance to bring him there and just see the fruit of that. But but uh, at the end of the day, the results aren't up to us. Right. Uh, and so it was it was because of God's sovereignty that I was able not to be concerned about what, what, how he felt about what I shared. I could just share the message of the gospel uh, and allow that to to have its yeah, impact. That's really great. Yeah. I think, you know, we, we just have to con- constantly remind ourselves and remind the people in our congregations because we're busy. Yeah. We've got a lot going on. If we're not 
we've used that word many times in this episode, intentional, yeah. we're not going to do it. And so as pastors, we need to be reminding the people in the congregation, people in the congregation need to be reminding one another mm-hmm. uh, and, and doing it together, right? You can invite a neighbor over as well as another as a church family mm-hmm. and, ha- and to help to establish those relationships. Uh, so just the regular reminder is so important for cultivating this. And I, you know, I think it's important to remember too, Josh. You you alluded to this. You mentioned this earlier, but our own children need to be evangelized, mm. and we forget that. I think parents often fall into one of two two <laughs> traps: either a sort of easy believism where we get them to pray a prayer at four, and we're like, "Oh, phew, we're, yes. they're safe." Yes, that's a great point. But Scott. then the flip side for those of us who are more reformed minded is an almost hyper Calvinist mentality toward our children. Like, well, if God's going to save them, He'll do that. Yeah. Well, that's true. But he uses means. Yes. And so we have to use every opportunity through family worship, through conversations, to you know communicate the gospel to our children. And that can be very difficult mm-hmm. because it's easy to have a sort of moralism mm-hmm. at home. Mm-hmm. Especially we're, when they're younger. Right. We're, we're, yeah. we're making sure they're at church, yes. and so we, we think it's being taken care yes. of. But we have to be faithful in, in calling them to repentance, mm-hmm. using those opportunities of discipline when they sin— Man, I know this is apparent. It's easy to just be, man, I wish they would stop, and you just try to try to slap a Band-Aid on it. Mm-hmm. But when they sin, that's actually a wonderful opportunity yeah. to communicate to them that they are sinning ultimately against God, yes. that they deserve punishment, and that they need to repent of that and sin. And that's, that's yeah. really good. That's really good. I think about that as it relates to my adult children, mm. uh, as, as, I, as I witness their lives. And, and, and again, we were kind of the early – we had this early baptism experience and, and you know, hey, yes, a, a confession of faith, a baptism. But we always taught them and told them if we do not see a consistent uh, – a, a, a form of of godliness of at least of at least repentance when 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 you're behaving in a sinful way uh, you know we we need to have another conversation uh and, and evangelize you in the in the message of the gospel and so we're always clear about that kind of having having that reformed mindset about uh about gospel proclamation with our kids but even even as adults uh we have to pick our opportunities to continue that message of, of the gospel. Josh, as we begin to kind of wrap this up, any any final thoughts about the subject of evangelism or anything we didn't cover? Yeah, no, I think that uh, the, the conversation today at the table has been very helpful. I think that we need to, as Christians, just commit ourselves to, you know, taking the steps of obedience to say, you know, if Christ has called us to be faithful in evangelism, then I'm going to do this. I'm mm. going to commit to this task. So what I would just encourage is, you know, if I'm speaking to someone perhaps today that, you know, is is really hesitant about evangelism because maybe fear of rejection or maybe fear of, you know, what that friend or family member might think of them or coworker, you know, we have to think about their soul. We have to think about the fact that God has placed us in their lives for a very specific purpose. And yet at the same time, we need to be freed up as we've talked about the sovereignty of God to recognize that it's not up to us. If we do our very best job of explaining the gospel clearly Mm. and to articulate the truth of the gospel, and yet they still reject, they're not rejecting us. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, they're rejecting God and they're doing so because the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who believe yes, not. Yes. But yet, we continue to shine the light of the gospel, mm-hmm. and we continue to pray for God to do what we ultimately can't do. Mm-hmm. Because the scripture is very clear in places like 
Ephesians 2 and John chapter 1, that we are ultimately born of God. We are born from above. We are not born because of spiritually, you know, we're, right. we're not born because of our, our own decision. wills yeah. or someone else's yeah. will yeah. or something like that. It's not just a decision that right. we make. Right. And so if we, if we understand this, mm-hmm. then what that does is it causes us to be freed up. Mm-hmm. That, you know, we're just planting seed, watering seed. Yeah. Ultimately, God will bring forth increase as he so desires. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a good word. Well, listen, we're hopeful that you have been encouraged today, encouraged to go out and evangelize, sharing the message of the gospel with those who don't believe, and then reminding yourself of the gospel so that you can walk in a way that's God-honoring in every way, shape, and form. With that said, again, thank you so much for joining us for this edition of the G3 Podcast.